0: I'm Lizzie Massis and you're listening to the Cool Mom Code podcast where motherhood is your key card to the coolest spot in town. This week we have Maria Manunos on as our special guest and I couldn't be more excited. Maria is a multifaceted woman, entrepreneur and new mama to a baby girl. From entertainment host to actress to a successful podcaster, Maria wears many hats and shares her up-close and personal experiences, advice, and life lessons she's learned along the way. Get ready for an inspiring and open conversation that's sure to empower all the cool moms out there. So we have Maria Menounos, which I am so excited because we have crossed paths quite a bit Uh and we've had conversations here and there, but we've never gotten into the depths of it. And from your personality, from my personality, I already know that we mesh. You're very outgoing. You seem to be very, like, you know, you present very, um, I don't want to say like happy, bubbly, but you present with a really good attitude in life. Thanks. And I feel like I'm the same way. So I immediately was like, I got to talk to this woman. I So cannot we're going to be new besties. I mean, we're going to be <laughs> new besties. It's already decided. Yeah. But what's interesting is that as I was like going through and researching to talk to you, I didn't realize that our stories had so many similarities. I can't and, wait to hear. Yeah, it was just, like, blowing my mind. I was like, hold up. Like, this is wild. So neither one of us are from L.A. I'm from yep. Detroit. Um, but you're from Massachusetts.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And, like, as I was looking, you grew up with a ill parent. Mm-hmm. Like, your dad was sick. Tell me tell me about that. Like, when did you guys know that he wasn't well? And how did that affect you in the household?
1: Well, my dad was uh, type 1 diabetic. Mm-hmm. And because my parents were immigrants, they didn't speak the language when they first got here. And so imagine trying to navigate a disease mm-hmm. when you don't know the language. It'd be like me moving to Japan right now and trying to figure out how to handle a brain tumor and all these other things. Right, And so... I know that my dad's understanding of diabetes at the time was no sugar, mm-hmm. and that carbs not you know, carbs turn to sugar. Right. so he just cut all carbs and sugar out. Well, that's great for when you're doing you know fifteen hours of manual labor a day, yeah. you can't sustain the output, yeah, so my dad would fall into low blood sugar comas on the regular Wow, and what that meant for us is at some point we would just watch my mom just stressed all the time, trying to keep my dad alive. Uh, And you know, when you are having a low blood sugar attack, you're very, it can be almost similar to when someone's drunk. Mm. And they, at least for my dad it was, uh, he was hard to control, he was very stubborn, Mm. he wouldn't drink the juice, we'd have to beg him, I'd have to cry. And when you say us, you mean
0: your mom and- Me and my brother. And your brother.
1: So it was very, very stressful all the time, and that was the good stuff. The mm-hmm. the rest of it was the fire trucks and the ambulances coming to the house and us having to rush them to the hospital. Or, you know, it was it was really really a lot for my mom, and uh, and for all of us. And yeah, that was kind of the beginning of. Yeah. Of health stuff. You know, it's interesting because my mom
0: was diagnosed with multiple sclerosis when mm. I was 10. Oh wow. And so when I was reading this, I was like, oh my God, this is hitting so close to home for me because that's exactly how I felt. I grew up in a household and my mom was a single mom. Oh. so it was oh, me even. even right? worse. It was me, my two older brothers, but I remember the feelings of like coming in and the same thing with MS. So for her, her symptoms, like you would think that she was like drunk. Like she wouldn't really? be able to like get off the floor. sometimes her legs wouldn't work or her hands would not function. Wow. so she couldn't drive me to school or she would look like drowsy because like the medication and she wasn't like fully there. And so I had all these same feelings of like what I guess being scared and not uh, knowing exactly what to do, but still trying to be strong.
1: Yeah. A lot of fight or flight. A
0: a lot of fight or
1: flight, like growing up. And it wasn't until. And then you also have to in your case, even more, be the parent, right? Be like a caretaker, be the adult to have to step in when you're just a kid. Yep,
0: and that's what it is. It's like that feeling right there. And so for you, I was reading, and I was like, you said something. You were like, you know, but through those experiences, you just felt like it was your job to kind of give your parents a
1: different life. Mm. You know, and that almost is what helped push you. Is that what helped push you? Yeah, my dream, When, when I met Kevin, my husband now, uh, I was just turning nineteen, and one of his questions was, "Why do you want to make it so bad?" Mm. And I said, "I want to give my parents the life they never had." Yeah, because I watched them struggle so much. Yeah, sorry, no, <laughs> I no. watched them struggle so much. I watched how hard they worked. My dad would go to the hospital, rip out IVs, and go right back to work. And it wasn't like exciting work, like what we get to do. Right, it's cleaning toilets mm-hmm. and floors and nightclubs and and so it was it was a lot. And so that was my my motivation. Yeah. Aside from I knew this is what I was supposed to do. I just knew. Yeah, I wanted to make it and I wanted to help them. And I got to do all of that, which has been such a blessing.
0: I love that for you. I really do. And I, and I love that you were able to give that to your parents. I think for me, that was also my motivation. And I think once again, that's why I think related to your story so much, because the biggest thing for me with my mom, and especially being from a single parent household, I was just like, dude, like I have to. There was yeah, no choice. There's no choice. Like There was no choice. This is what we have to do.
1: Did you feel like you had to be a caretaker at that age? Um,
0: I felt, you know, it's so funny. I was just talking to somebody about this yesterday and they were helping me break it down too. I think unknowingly I felt that I had to have a certain level of responsibility at an age that I wasn't prepared or um in normal society you're you're expected to have at that age. Mm-hmm. I had two older brothers so I think that was always helpful for me. I was the youngest, so I was still always kind of able to sit back a little bit, but I was the only girl and my yeah. mom and I had a very special relationship. And I think for me I was just always like, "All right, I'm going to make it for her. I'm going to make it for her. I'm going to make it for her." And so we'll get into this a little bit later, but it's it's very similar,
1: and there was a lot here, and so wow. my aunt had MS, so oh, I yeah, so you know a little bit I've about watched, it. I watched. I watched my cousin had to become her caretaker, probably same. the same age actually, and when she was bedridden. Yeah. Have to change her and mm-hmm. wash her and do all that stuff.
0: It's-, it's a it's a horrible disease. Yeah. I mean, as most diseases are. Um, but it's interesting that as a child, this is what you go through, right? Mm-hmm. And and how it shapes the rest of your decision making and how you react to the world. But even through all this, you're still this like you know smart, beautiful, wonderful child. You end up winning Miss Teen Massachusetts USA. <laughs> and the only reason why I bring that up Sometimes is done. because I I won Miss Michigan Teen no. USA. I swear. Wait, where were you, you Miss
1: Michigan? Was it the same time? No. You're younger, so we, was, when was you? I was the
0: year with Vanessa Manillo. <gasps> so it was the year after me.
1: No way. I think it was because I remember going to Miss Teen USA when she was there. So I was no at your Miss Teen USA. Way. Way. In, with, with um, Was it in Shreveport? It was, yes, Louisiana. I was there with Kevin. <laughs> yes the connections continue <laughs> That's crazy Wow that's so wild. That was, was that 97 or eight it was like 99, 99. I think yes yeah, summer of 99 I oh wait no I was mass teen 95 I went to Miss Teen USA 96 I think. So that's wild. Wow.
0: So I mean, okay. so that experience for me, I will say, put me in a different frame of what I would I wanted to do in this in this world. It it made me feel like, oh, okay, this is possible. It's something different. It feels fun. Like I had a good time, like doing all the things, not necessarily the pageant of it, because I never was in pageants, but it was just like, I don't know. It just put me in a different framework like, oh,
1: this is possible. Mm -hmm. This world is possible. What did it do for you? I feel like it really taught me about presentation Mm. and organization and producing because I took it so seriously. And I feel like you have to produce all the materials. You have to go get sponsors. So now you're putting yourself out there and you're trying to get, Mm -hmm. you know, money for something. And then, you know, you have to prepare for your interviews and think about world topics. I mean, it's. There's so many positives to pageants. They get such a bad rap, mm-hmm. and I understand the bad rap because if you're not in the right mindset, like I was a pretty confident girl, I think, and I was—I um, don't know—I I think that it, it can go wrong mm-hmm. very easily, very easily, because you're being judged on your body and What's things the like same that. Same as the modeling industry.
0: Yeah. It, can go, it can go sour exactly. real quick, you know, if you don't have the right foundation.
1: But what yes. do you think was the foundation?
0: Who gave you that foundation?
1: I mean, my parents obviously had yeah. something to do with it. Yeah. My mom was really supportive of me and believed in me. My dad was actually monkey wrenching it all because he was so scared. So he would say no to everything, even the pageant. The yeah. day before I was going to Miss Mask, he was like, no, no way. I was terrified. I wasn't going to be able to go. It was crazy. Because you do so much prep to get there. Yeah. And he was just so against it. He was so scared. And then, of course, he was so proud when I won. (laughs) Yeah. But yeah, I think there are a lot of positives to it. And I think it really helped me gain even more confidence because I was scared to go out on a stage and to talk. And so I would like give little speeches in church. I would do everything. So I was like, I know I want to do this in life. So I have to get over the fear. I have to push through it. So it was another moment of having to push through. Yeah. I mean, for me, I was so nervous to go out in my bathing suit. Yeah. I was like, oh my
0: God, what do you mean? I have to go out in front of all these people.
1: Yeah. And everyone's doing the butt glue and all this weird stuff. Yes. I'm like, I wasn't <laughs> doing that stuff. Oh no, I did the butt glue. Are you <laughs> I kidding me? You? Yes.
0: Or <laughs> okay. 1000% I did butt glue because 90%. I was like, you know what? I didn't, I had like little like stretch marks at the time on my like, you know, because I was growing Yeah, and I felt so like, oh my God, I'm so embarrassed. Like, what am I going to do? So did you glue over them? So No. So you put the butt glue so your your swimsuit doesn't ride up. Yeah, and I was like, yeah, I just tried to pull it down. You can cover it a and little, butt glue a little Smart. bit. Girl, yeah, right. Did it work? I don't know. I just remember thinking, okay, before I got on stage, just forget everything. Just like go out and forget everything. And I just tried to like <laughs> blank mine Did you place?
1: Um, at Miss Teen USA. Yeah. So I, I guess I tied for like 13th place, I remember. So I just missed semifinals. Oh, good for you, though. And, uh, but I remember being interviewed by Bob Goen. Oh, yeah. From Entertainment Tonight. He was the host of Entertainment Tonight at the time during rehearsals. Mm -hmm. I was like, I was winning in rehearsals.
0: Right. And that's what they, and that's the thing. That's how they get
1: you. Yeah. And they're like, you're doing great. What do you want to do? And I was like, I want to do what you do. And three years later, I was knocking on his dressing room door doing headshots because I was at Entertainment Tonight. I'm like, hi, I'm here. I literally went to his dressing room. I go, I'm here. Hi. Did he remember you? No. (laughs) No. But- I was like, hey, you were Miss Teen USA. It was just such a crazy moment to be like, there. You Isn't know? it
0: crazy in life when you have those full circle moments, mm-hmm. though, where you're like, wait a minute, hold on, like this is what I envisioned. Yeah. This is almost what I manifested. Yeah. And now to see it in like in real life, in real time, it's always just so trippy to me. I'm like, wow, this yeah. this is how it actually. This is life. This is life. Um, Everything is possible. Everything is possible, which is wild. But, okay, so we go from that, from Miss Teen Massachusetts. um, And then Kevin. Mm -hmm. This guy. I mean, this guy. You started dating him, and your dad was not happy about it.
1: No, he wasn't. First of all, I wasn't allowed to date till I was 18, and I obeyed. Yes. I like your dad. And <laughs> your dad was A-plus in my book. Go ahead. <laughs> um, sheer terror. Get kept me, kept me on on track there. But yeah, I met Kevin and I just knew instantly he was the one, mm. especially when he said that he had taken uh, massage therapy classes to help heal his dad of the pain from cancer. Wow. And I was like, you're a caretaker? In my head. And I was like, that's it. This is done. You're the one. I don't know why I must have... Re- I, I mean, I know I'm pretty psychic, but now I really know that yeah. at 18 turning 19, I knew I needed a caretaker. I was like, yeah. Wow. You're you're it. I'm going to make you fall in love with me.
0: That's what it was, huh? You just knew instantly that yeah. quality. I mean,
1: he was handsome, all of those things. I was attracted to him, but I just... It was that about him that made me feel like, oh my God, this is a special person. Did you feel like it was like a safe
0: space? Because for you, you had grown up in a situation where you knew how
1: necessary having that other partner to be able to do that was. Damn, didn't even think about that till now. Isn't it funny you were saying earlier, someone was helping you kind of unpack something recently. Yes. We're constantly unpacking stuff. Constantly. So you just unpacked a whole other thing. Oh, that's why I thought I needed a caretaker. Cause my mom was a caretaker to my dad. I was a caretaker to my dad. So right. I realized, oh, we need caretakers in this world. It's like this is
0: something you need to have a quality in a partner yeah. that needs to be, you know, it's, yeah. I just think it's interesting. You, you never realize that like what our past and, the, and what our experiences and why we choose the people we choose, mm-hmm. but go figure. Yeah.
1: And he's you know. been a great caretaker. How is <laughs> your dad guy? Though, we've, over, you? we've overdone it. I don't think he signed <laughs> up for everything that he signed up for. <laughs> Look, this is what marriage is. Yep.
0: This is what it is. And I think marriage for me, I always say this, it is the hardest relationship that I have in my life. It's the most, it's for me, marriage is beautiful and I love it. And I'm, I've been married to my husband for like, whoosh, I don't know. Seventeen years. We've been together for like basically twenty. I mean, we've been in this road for a long time, um, as you and Kevin have. You know, been together for a long time. Yeah. It's just it's it's a constant choice with your kids. It's not a choice. It's innate. You innately are going to love them because it's part of your DNA Mm -hmm. as a mother, as a parent, with your partner. It's a choice. Every single day I wake up and I'm like, yes, I choose you. Yes, I love you. Today
1: I want to kill you. Today I want to kill you. Do you feel like that with Kevin though? Like it's a choice? I don't know if I've ever thought about it like that. I feel like we've been just ride or dies from go and we've gone through so much. Yeah. Um, we've definitely had highs and lows and definitely had rough patches and things like everyone's going to. Yeah. Um, I mean, I guess, yeah. I never put it into those words where it's a choice, but I know, I know that anytime, uh, anytime I, I, you know, was in a situation, I was like, "That's my best friend. That's my ride or die." Mm-hmm. You, you could be fun for a minute. <laughs> you could be. You're quite the temptation. Yeah, yeah you're dangerous. But no. Mm -hmm. Because people always ask me, like, how did you not end up with anybody else? And you know, Mm because we moved out here together, and yeah, you know, um, things present themselves. And
0: well, that's what I'm gonna say. I mean, listen, your line of work, yeah,
1: not only are
0: you stunning and all these things, and very smart, and it's your line of work, you're around a lot of attractive, successful people constantly, Mm -hmm. so you know. Yes, I can understand how that's a question that you get asked. How do you and Kevin stay so connected when there's constant temptation, not only around what you both do, but in the world
1: of L.A.? I was just thinking about this reality (laughs) producer. He wanted to do a show with us years ago. And he's like, I want the show name to be Why Kevin? (laughs) And I was like, well, that's kind of rude and he's like i just think people are going to be fascinated like why him? And I'm like why not him? That's right. But um but yeah, he's he's my my best friend. He's you know, when i think about my mom was my first champion mm-hmm. and and literally like without her wouldn't be where i am but he He did, you know, he took the high five from her and then took it over from there.
0: Yeah. Well, it sounds like you got a lot of qualities in him that were also in your mother. Yes. Oh, they're very similar. Yeah. We
1: joke about it because we were always a really good foursome, my mom, dad, and he and I. And he's just like my mom and I'm just like my dad. Ah. It's really funny.
0: And how the dynamic must be with your daughter. Yeah. How the dynamic must be. Okay. Before we jump into Athena, though. Yes. I think you are literally the only person that I know for facts who has gotten proposed to on Howard Stern mm-hmm. and then married to married with their partner at the ball drop on New Year's Eve mm-hmm. by Steve Harvey. Yep. What
1: in the hell? What in the hell? I know. How did that happen? I mean. Kevin proposing to me was one of the greatest shocks (laughs) of my life. Well, after twenty years, yeah. So I didn't, I didn't even have an inkling, and I'm really hard to beat. Like it's really hard to get anything. But had you guys talked about marriage? Like you've been dating for twenty years before proposal. Yeah, we were talking about it from months in. But so why the twenty years? I mean, we had some family dynamic issues that kept us from it. We wanted that to be solved before Mm -hmm. we tried to have some joyous occasion. And then work just exploded Mm. and there wasn't any time. And we kind of were looking at Goldie and and Kurt and we're like, I think we're going to be like them. Mm. We're we're good. We don't need papers. It's not going to make a difference. And so he surprised me on Howard. And then the New Year's Eve gig came up and I remember – talking to my producer at the time and i said hey so what are the big items in the show and she said well we're gonna do a habitat for humanity house for somebody who needs a house we're gonna do this we're gonna do that oh and we're gonna have a uh, someone get married on the show i go oh cool and she goes well unless you want to get married on the show i said ew no no i don't want a wedding so i was so against weddings in general because they were so stressful and mm-hmm. it was never about the bride and the groom right. it was always about everyone's Bullshit and they're yeah. why am I sitting here and how come I'm not there? And and so uh I went out of my car and I go, wait a second. Chris Jenner said, Tomorrow's never promised. My mom has stage four brain cancer. I could get married with no guests, okay. but have all the guests. <gasps> Everyone's invited, but no one's invited. That's I don't amazing. have to worry about all of that. Mm. And so I said yes. And first I was gonna surprise him, yeah, like he surprised me on Howard. But I couldn't figure out how to get his ring size and how to make sure he didn't look silly in his suit and all that. So then finally I told him, and he freaked out because he was preparing a secret wedding on Howard with Howard and Beth. Oh, my goodness. And you guys are exactly the same. Yeah. And so (laughs) that was in play. And that had to get canceled. And he's like, sweating. He's like, how am I going to tell them? How am I going to tell them? I go, Kevin, they're going to understand. They're going to understand. I
0: mean, the fact that you guys are going back and forth, though, between getting married on... (laughs) live on the New Year's Eve ball yeah. drop or Howard Stern. Yeah. I mean, come on. What are the chances? That's just wild. Yeah. That's wild. But I never yeah. thought about it that way. Yeah. Everyone's invited, but no one's invited. Exactly. It was brilliant. Yeah, and that's so, brilliant.
1: And then the one of the most special moments was uh, Bon Jovi. Performed. Surprised us with a performance. And he was just like, you guys have gone through so much. He gathered his whole band. All of them did it for free. Wow. And they, he, you know, my, one of my favorite songs um, that always reminded me of Kevin after brain surgery, he performed it. And they also did going to the chapel and they, they rolled it into the show. Wow. And I sent him a message and I said, oh my gosh, like you'll never know what that meant. And he said, your face. On camera was more than enough thanks for all of us. Oh, I love so, that. So um, he's a special guy. Yeah. That was he a really is. special, special day.
0: No, that's amazing. I mean, honestly, the fact that it turned out the way it did mm-hmm. for you is I feel like once again, this is your life, Maria. This is your life. Surprises, ups and downs, mm-hmm. but yet you're like pushing through. Charging through with no stops, no qualms, no like questions. Like, you are a bull, like, you just keep moving forward. Let's talk about the brain surgery Mm -hmm. since you brought it up. Wow, first of all, right? (laughs) Like, wow. But your mom, like, how did you discover that she
1: had brain cancer, even in the first place? So, in 2016, she was having a lot of fatigue issues, mm-hmm. and so she was going to the doctor, and I would check in. At one point, I was back east with her, went to an appointment with her, and I remember the doctor saying, this was sometime in like June of 2016, if it's not this, whatever it was that we were testing for, then we're going to test you for fibromyalgia. Mm-hmm. Like fibromyalgia? My mom doesn't have fibromyalgia. I didn't even know what it meant, but I knew she didn't have it. Right. Right. And this is your psychic ability. Yeah. And (laughs) my psychic abilities (laughs) failed me here because I was like, she doesn't have that. And um, and then two months later, she was diagnosed with a brain tumor and she had like a stroke like symptom situation. And they rushed her to the hospital, did a CT scan. And then I got the call Mm. and flew back home. And our brain tumor journey began there. And so she fought for a long time. Yeah. I mean, how? Like, is it
0: just from, listen, I know that you come from a perspective where wellness is key mm-hmm. to everything that you do from mental to physical to the practices that, that you do. Is that how you approached
1: it with her? So at that time, I was drinking multiple coffees a day to get through the day. I was hustling, doing 50,000 jobs. Wellness wasn't really officially in the equation. Mm. Uh, This was my awakening because I needed to keep my mom alive. Mm -hmm. And so when she was diagnosed, I immediately was her quarterback. My mom wasn't going to know what to do. Like she, you know, this is, you need somebody to produce your care at that point. And so I dove in heads first. At that time... I also didn't want any of my masters, I call them all my bosses, to feel like any of my work was slipping. Right. So I had to be uber present for my work mm-hmm. in a way that made everyone feel good that I wasn't slacking, but then be uber present on how do I keep my mom alive. And so I had to really tap into intuition. I had to really tap into God. I had to, you know, pull the troops together and say, like, what do we do? And answers would come. I would ask in prayer for answers. They would come in some weird way, whether it was a person that I would bump into the next day, a pop-up screen on my computer, whatever it was, I followed all the breadcrumbs. Mm. And I would pre-produce thinking, okay, if things go bad, I need to be ready for them before so Mm. that I'm not in a panicked moment trying to throw the Hail Mary. Mm -hmm. So I pre-researched a facility in Mexico called Baja Medgate. Mm -hmm. We went there on a little field trip, everyone together. We felt it out. And I said, okay, there might be a time we need this. Let's understand what it is. Let's understand what it looks like. So if I have to send them there, we Mm. know where she is. And, um, And then I started researching other ways to kind of deal with this holistic approaches, alternative therapies, ketogenic diets, marijuana, right. all of that stuff. And right. so that was kind of the beginning of the wellness journey. And then I didn't know why I was suffering so bad along the way. I assumed it was because I was so exhausted right, trying to do my full-time life and take care of her and be her doctor. hmm and that's when we discovered I had a brain tumor too, I mean, which wow. is like lightning striking. I had the top researcher in my studio and she's like, yeah, that's like lightning striking. That That's not normal. That's not normal. And it's
0: awesome. not hereditary. It's no. not something that is just passed down Mm-mm. in your genes. So it just was lightning strike.
1: Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I Listen, we don't realize, I think we're starting to, how much fight or flight takes its toll on our bodies. Mm. That's why caretakers get sick sometimes, right, along with their patients. Mm. And the statistic for people who take care of, caretakers who take care of dementia or Alzheimer's patients, Mm -hmm. 42% die before the patient. Really? Mm -hmm. Yes. And so you have to understand that your body can only take so much stress, Mm -hmm. it's going to break down. Right. And my mom had a lot of stress in her life yeah. and and other stresses. And then her childhood traumas and stresses, she carried so much. Right. And I carried so much as well. And the body just takes, you know, the, it can only handle so much. That is wild. I think that it's very
0: interesting that you say you were – proactive, not reactive Mm -hmm. to care. And I think that's just something to really like pause on and make people really understand that being proactive in care is something that we're not used to. Everyone's used to being reactive. When it happens, Mm -hmm. now we figure out what it is. When it happens, now we see where we need to go. But being proactive in that space, I I mean, I know you
1: must believe helped keep your mom alive. A hundred percent. It was, and I tell people all the time, You have to be the CEO of your health. Mm -hmm. And and I'll give you a couple of examples to really understand. Doctors on my show, number one doctors in the country have told me, we have 15 minutes with you. Until you understand what's what behind the scenes, Mm -hmm. most of us civilians go to the doctor, think they know everything, think they know everything that's going on in our body, have the magic potion and the instant solution. And and we just listen to them when we go home and go back to our lives. You can't do that. So, I would come into situations where I would just use my common sense, my gut instinct, do some homework, research, talk to people. And the Mexico thing was so unbelievable because what I learned was when you get cancer, you have some illness, your body's fighting. Mm -hmm. Now you're going to throw in chemo, radiation. It's just depleting you more. That's right. So, common sense would tell you. Let's fortify the body at the same time, mm-hmm. so it can handle the barrage of treatments. I'm not saying don't do them, right? But why aren't we fortifying the immune system? That's what we did in Mexico, and the radiologist probably four years into a diagnosis where you get six to twelve months. Mm-hmm. Technically, that's what someone with glioblastoma gets brain for stage four brain cancer, right? Four years in, the radiologist goes, I attribute most of your mom's success to the treatments you did in Mexico. Now, you don't have to go to Mexico to do this. If you just think of what are the ways to fortify the body, whether it's coffee enemas or mm-hmm. clean diets, starving the sugar, doing the high dose vitamin C drips, those were some of the things that we did. And there were so many moments where I didn't understand, for example, why my mom was having cognitive issues. Mm. They don't tell you everything. They don't have time. They have right. 15 minutes, remember? Right. Now, my doctors, I actually got more time from, and, and I'm so grateful. But still, we didn't understand why she wasn't herself. So I was like, one day, I go, all right, what could we do to help her? She's, she's not focusing. She already had probably undiagnosed ADD before. Yeah. And we're having all these issues. Well, what? I did an interview. Actually, this was the breadcrumb. I did an interview with Maria Shriver on a documentary she did on Adderall. Yes. And it was how bad it is for these kids in school and whatever. And I go, I think she's here because my mom's supposed to take Adderall. Wow. So I, I called the doctor. I said, I know this might sound crazy, but could we try Adderall to help my mom? I mean, listen, we're dealing with the deadly disease. Yeah. This isn't, you know, and he was like, oh, yeah, we do that for patients all the time. I go, why didn't you tell me? Exactly. Why do I have to ask you? Yeah. So you have to realize that you actually have answers. Right. You can have the answers too. There are always regular people who come up with extraordinary breakthroughs that didn't have the education, that didn't have. Yeah. So we don't have to... Be doctors to be our own doctors. Or we don't have to wait. Yes. We don't have to wait. We can it was your mom always up for it? Yes. She was I was lucky. So yeah, this that's is the lucky. other thing. I have a great patient. Yeah. She was very cooperative. I go. know she could be uncooperative because of the brain tumors' effects at times, but for the most part, she fully trusted me to run her care. Mm-hmm. I would collaborate with her, I would tell her everything we were gonna do and why. Right. But I know that a lot of people suffer with the opposite situation and it's so painful and I feel so bad. At that point, you have to surrender and do what you can. Yeah, you do. And focus just on that. That was my story. So my mom
0: got breast cancer. Oh, my God. And she was the opposite patient. She just, she just, the chemo was very hard on her body. She didn't want to eat clean. She didn't want to do some of the other things that could help, yeah. you know, balance out what was going on. So I'm thankful for you that you, your mom was down for it yeah. because that also helps to, you know, just keep their bodies as, as, as aligned as possible mm-hmm. for as long as possible, even with everything that
1: they're fighting. They have to okay. be cooperative yeah. and and be on the journey but but what we have to understand is it's their journey it's right you know and that. i had a therapist have to tell me that yeah. she was like maria it's her journey because at some point my mom didn't want to walk and move i'm like mom please if you don't start moving you're gonna lose it but she didn't want to anymore yeah and Same. so she was giving up on that end i didn't realize
0: that until my mom had passed I didn't realize that this was her journey. Mm. I tried so hard during the process. And it's one of the things I think I'll regret the most is that I didn't, I didn't just say, you know what, let me meet you where you are. It's so I hard think to. I tried so hard to put what I knew was right onto her instead of saying, you know what, let me meet you where you are. And I'm here. It wasn't until probably the last month That I think I turned that corner and I was like, I'm here where you are. Just what do you need from me? I'm here where you are. Wow. And I felt like you know, looking back, did it. it. I did it. So you have to don't feel feel like it was too late.
1: I feel like I did that too. Like Mm. I was pushing her. And by the way, then you're fighting. That's right. And then it's it can be ugly sometimes. Right. And so on my mom's deathbed, I had to muster up the courage to apologize. Same. And I filmed it. You did. Because I wanted it. I was like I. I won't believe I did it. Mm-hmm. I'll I'll have all these different versions of it so I filmed it and I and I apologized to her. I said I'm so sorry for the times I was short or mean or upset or mm-hmm. frustrated and I just like purged and she was like, "Maria, come on. Everything you did, forget it." And she forgave me, of course. Yeah. And I'm grateful that you had that moment. Yeah. I'd love to hear what that was like, I because did. more people need to know. Yeah, because I it saves you later.
0: I was with my mom when she passed. Thank you. Um, that was like a really uh, special moment. So thank God for that. Um, and I did. I, I filmed a lot of things too. I filmed her talking. I I actually filmed my mom. What do you want to say to your grandkids? Yeah. You know, like that kind of thing. Um, but it was peaceful, but it was hard. I mean, Maria, it was the hardest thing I think I'll ever have to do in my entire life. Yeah. It was brutal. It really was. It was. It was. It was brutal. And I'm still working through what that is. How know? long ago was it?
1: This was a year ago. Oh, my gosh.
0: It's yeah. so fresh. It's fresh. You know, so I'm still yeah. working through what my party and everything was and forgiving myself a lot, you know, through it. Um but yeah, so reading your story, I mean, once again, that was that was interesting to hear how you were so thankful that the moment was peaceful, yeah. you know, with your mom, and thankful that, look, I mean, if it wasn't for your mom, you know, who knows if you, you know, would have
1: found or been quick to find no clue, you wouldn't know, have known your um, your own journey. Well, and also she gave me strength. When yeah. I went through mine, I watched her go in a brain surgery with a smile and no fear. Yeah. So I did the same thing, but on I wouldn't have birthday. known that. You did birthday. the same thing on your birthday. I love yeah. how you called it a
0: rebirth. I was like, that's amazing. Mm-hmm. The fact that you took that perspective. And that's why I said at the beginning of this, I was like, you know, I love the fact that your outlook, even through all of it in life, is this constant um Glass half full kind of kind of outlook. And I know it probably isn't always like that on like the behind the closed doors and, you know, in your own personal moments, you and Kevin in bed having your couple talk or whatever yeah. it is, but... From what you present, you are showing the world, right, that even through the hardest of moments, you can find the light. And I think you've done that. Thanks. I want to talk about Athena, though, before yeah. we finish, because Athena is such a light in your oh life now. Like, my God. Every
1: time I tell her she's a light in Greek, she goes... <laughs> And she gets so happy. I go, you little shit. You know what I'm saying? I know you know what I'm saying. Yeah, she does. Of course. They know. Um, She's
0: four months. Four months. Four months old. And for you, I mean, this was a journey even to get Mm -hmm. Athena. Talk to me about it.
1: So it was almost 10 years of trying. And we did, like, everything. Trying naturally. Kevin hanging me upside down like a chicken. (laughs) Whatever we could do. And nothing was working. And uh, and then artificial inseminations, and then finally IVF, and then the tumor was the reason my doctor said I couldn't carry. Mm. So we had to get a surrogate, and then the first surrogate we found her uterine lining wouldn't grow to the final stage, so we had to get another surrogate. Okay, but let's talk about that, though, because even with the whole
0: getting a surrogate. I mean, that's a process in itself too. Were you, and it was something that I'm sure, I mean, your, your mom carried you, I'm I'm assuming you and your brother. So it was something that you guys also wasn't something that familiar, you were familiar Mm -hmm. with. How was that? Like, was that, how was that experience for you? Did you, did you and Kevin have to have serious conversations before you said, Hey, I think even though this is the, the option we have left, surrogacy, is a different option for us. Like yeah. is it something you had
1: to talk yourself through or were you guys listening? No, this is we just kind of knew this was our only chance. Yeah. And I, you know, I try not to spend too much time on on the Oh wow, I can't carry. Oh wow, I'm gonna miss that. Like, let's just—it is kind of like I do, just kind of move forward. I'm telling forward. you, right, you right. do. <laughs> I'm telling you,
0: it's like it's wild
1: because yeah. like I,
0: I'm telling you, you're just like this is it. Okay, let's. What's the next option? Yeah. This, great, move that well, one the aside then.
1: Quote is my favorite. It's about how hard you hit. It's about how hard you can get hit and keep moving forward. Mm-hmm. And so yeah, I, I love all of you really dissect things so well. <laughs> I am kind of like just this is what we're doing. This is where we're going. Um, and I had really great friends that had done it, that were able to guide me through Zoe Saldana and Kim Kardashian, Mm -hmm. both had gone through it. Both of them helped me with resources in terms of who they used and, and it was the most magical experience. It could not have gone better, um, from start to finish. And our surrogate family is now part of our family and we love them. And they gave us the greatest gift in the whole world. Yeah. I mean, I was holding her this morning and I was like, honey, I don't think <laughs> anything's ever made me happier. And then I was like, okay, maybe Benjamin and baby. <laughs> Trying to think about like those moments with my dogs. Yeah. But I mean, it's it's a special time. It's insane. Literally, I'm like, oh my God, I have a baby on the regular. I'm I'm walking in my kitchen, I'm like. I have a baby. Yes, you do. Wait, okay, so talk to me though. When
0: when when your surrogate goes into labor, mm-hmm. does she call you immediately, and like oh, you we rush there. over, or how does that work? <laughs> like we how do you time it? we were
1: in for two weeks. because okay. <laughs> we thought she was coming early because she was really overcooked already. Okay, and so they said she was growing at rapid speed and whatever. And so we were just chilling in Milwaukee. We hit at every restaurant. We we did everything. <laughs> There's some good restaurants in Milwaukee, there by the were. way. Yes, I've great. spent time in Milwaukee. Yeah, we had a great yeah. time. And so when she started having some false alarming moments, I said, when you feel like it, you're getting closer, we'll get you a room at the hotel.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Because she was like 40 minutes out from Oh yeah, the hospital. Yeah. And so she had one false alarm, went to the hospital in the middle of the night, and then drove home and called me and was like, I can't do this anymore. I go, great, we're getting you the hotel. So we get the hotel. That night, we all go to dinner with her family. And she and I go back to the room. And it's just us two because her family hadn't shown up yet. They were in a separate car. Mm-hmm. She didn't have a key. So we're just chilling in the room. And I'm showing her the baby's clothes and all this stuff. And we're having this moment together where I'm like, it's so surreal to know that we're on the precipice of this. I've waited my whole life, like 10 years. I'm crying. She's crying. We're having this beautiful moment. And then a couple hours later, she texts and there's a knock at the door. It's time. No. And I'm like, what? And Kevin's like, Kevin casually comes in the room. I'm dead asleep. I got a text and I go, Kev, uh, the surrogate just texted that it's time. And I'm like, what does that mean? Because I was so in a haze. And he goes, oh, yeah, they just knocked on the door. It's time. We're going to the hospital. And I go, wait, what? I don't understand. <laughs> it took me forever. I was like in zombie shock moment. But I had the bags ready. Yeah. I was like good to go. And so we left. And and I was like, whoa, it's go time. So then we get to the hospital. We're walking in the hallways with her so that she can, mm-hmm. you know, give the baby. I don't know, to try to drop the baby or right, whatever. Right. And... At some point, we were we had a room next door. I said, oh, I'm going to go just meditate because it's going to be a long time. Yeah. And the husband knocks at so the door and goes, hey, guys, it's good time. I go, oh, no. wait, want. I'm hungry. <laughs> I, 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 I can't go into this hungry. I grab a bar. I'm chewing on it. Now I'm nervous. I'm in the room. And it's like they're preparing everything. It was... It was so unbelievable. It's
0: so surreal,
1: yeah. right? Yeah. It's so surreal. I love this for you.
0: And how how do you feel like now <laughs> now as a new mom? I mean, your bond with Athena seems so beautiful yeah. and so natural and so loving. And I don't know. I mean, I just honestly, you light up. Thank you. How has
1: life been as a mother? The greatest time of my life. It's yeah. the best. Oh, I could just lose it. I love her so much. And I just, I'm so grateful that she came now because my rebirth led me to a place where I work for myself. Mm -hmm. I'm at home working from home and I get to be with her all the time. Yeah. So yeah, I'm still popping out to do my podcast. And then I pop in and then I'm able to feed her and then I pop out and she's napping. And then I Pop back, I'm with her all the time. My old life wasn't gonna present me with that opportunity. Yeah. So she's she's getting all of me, and that makes me so happy. And I'm getting all of her. And people are like, oh my God, enjoy every moment. It grows fast. I'm like, I am. Yeah. Yeah. I actually am. I'm present, Mm -hmm. I'm here, I'm seeing everything, and I'm experiencing everything, and I feel so blessed that I get to be with her because Earlier this year with that latest diagnosis, I didn't know if I was even going to get to meet her. Yeah. And how are you now
0: with the pancreatic cancer? Are you cancer-free? Cancer-free. Thank God. What a blessing. Yeah. I'm going to be honest with you, Maria. I love this life for you. Thank Thank you. Me (laughs) too. I know. I love having a family. I want 50 more. (laughs) Kevin's so scared.
1: (laughs) He's like, thank God we don't have the embryos (laughs) to support it. But yeah,
0: I'd be scared for him too. Yeah. Because... But, you know, it's listen, kids are a beautiful blessing They're there. It's a you know, it's a juggle. It really is, especially with what, you know, working life and all the things. Right. But it is beautiful. And the journey is beautiful. And hearing your story is so inspiring. You just give a certain strength that I don't think that you even like purposely put out on purpose, per se. It just is you. Thank you. And I love that about you. And I'm so thankful that I get to talk to you hey, today. Me
1: too. I so mean, now yeah. clearly we have to have dinner and really <laughs> go through all the common threads. I mean, I'm telling you, there's but, so many here. There's yeah. so many here.
0: Here's one I have here. Let's end on this. Tell me the wellness because Heal Squad mm-hmm. is your podcast yeah. and it is all about 360 wellness. Yes. It really is. I mean, you tap on it from every perspective, which I love. What is your wellness must-haves? Oh, yeah. Like,
1: no qualms about it. This is what I have to do for my wellness. So first of all, I will tell your audience, and I always tell people, I don't say this because I want more listeners. I say this because I want you to get healthy and stay healthy and prevent disease. Listen to the show as your accountability partner, Mm. because a lot of us don't have friends who are on the same page. And, and people around us that are eating healthy or doing these things, and it can be a lonely journey, and sometimes you'll just quit because of that. Mm-hmm. So I'm on this journey. The show has saved my life and so many other people's, and I always say, I'm on it with you. That's right. And we're learning the foundational things for our health, our well-being, our mental well-being, our physical well-being. So my non-negotiables, there's the, the toolbox that I use for challenges like, choose wonder over worry. Mm. So when I was diagnosed with pancreas cancer earlier this year and I was on my knees and devastated, I started using that. And I said, I wonder what it's going to be like when the doctor calls me with good news next. And it happened. Wow! I wonder what it's going to be like when I get through surgery and I'm okay. And it happened. So it's a tool. and the, And then from there, There's meditation. Mm -hmm. So, and not just any meditation. Dr. Joe Dispenza is um, like... Non-negotiable for me. Right. He teaches the you the science behind this, mm-hmm. and he guides you through these meditations. So you're not just oming all alone and trying to stop thoughts. He's teaching you why you need to replace the thoughts, why you need to change your personality to change your reality. Mm-hmm. And it's funny when people say change your personality. You're like I like my personality. No, no, no. Your personality is how you think, how you feel, and how you act. So what are you thinking that's not serving you? That's right. That's creating a reality that's not serving you. Right. So once we change that, now you can get healthy because if your thoughts can make you sick, they can also make you well. That's right. So meditation is a non-negotiable. I've been rebounding every day. What is rebounding? It's a trampoline, basically. Mini trampoline. Every day, one minute to two minutes. Oh my god, I have this. For lymphatic draining. I feel like my uterus is going
0: to fall out every time I do it. Really? Though. Yes. Oh. I'm like, oh my god. Uh, no, uh, no, uh, no, I'm done. Oh I'm my god. Done. Hilarious. But we well, have one. We have like the little mini one. You can just kind of, you don't okay. have to jump
1: high. You okay. can just do a little bounce. Maybe that's my but problem. But it's really important for your fascia. All your emotions are stored in your fascia. Oh. So it's like a good cleanse for your body Um, I am cold plunging a couple days a week okay last night I did it in my pool okay I am trying to get
0: on this board with you but go ahead I'm gonna
1: tell you Dr. Jack Cruz is about to be on my show I'm obsessed with him and he talks about the biggest thing that we have been turned away from Mm -hmm. is sun we have been told by doctors you're right that sun is bad yeah can the plants grow without sun nope nothing lives without sun you're right so, we need sun. So, Vitamin every day D. I'm up at sunrise. My circadian rhythm is non negotiable. Mm. I'm up at sunrise. Athena's up at sunrise. She's fed outside in the light. Oh, we're not wow. supposed to be inside, we're supposed to be outside. Mm-hmm. And so many diseases come from us just being inside under artificial light. All this blue light toxicity right now. Blue light glasses aren't enough. We're supposed to be completely covered in something that's not going to penetrate the blue light. What about red light therapy? So red light therapy is really, really important. So I have a red light. You can get little red lights that you Mm -hmm. can keep on your office desk. Everyone should get that infrared A light. Oh, that's an interesting Um, idea. And so... Uh, I get the sun every day, and as much of it as I can, my vitamin D levels are off the chart. People are so afraid of melanoma, but if you look at melanoma, this is what I'm learning now, Mm -hmm. melanoma would suggest that you're getting too much sun, right? Yes. And that you, you now have gotten a melanoma because of that. Right. Apparently, melanoma patients have low vitamin D. So then that doesn't really make sense, does it? Right. So... Come on to the heels, Squad. Right. We are going on this light <laughs> journey. It's going to be a very intense journey where we're going to try to get people back out into the sun. That is going to heal us from so many things. Mm. Um, so light, rebounding, cold plunging, because cold creates light in your body that's even better than the sun. And so it's wow. crazy. What cold does for you? It's not just your metabolism; it does so many amazing things. And so, Doctor Cruz actually tells people to go skiing in their boxers. Get as much of that cold as you can. We have some work to do. We have some work to do. We, we are going so against our nature. Yeah, and, that it's hurting, and us. we're so away from nature. Right. And so, being in nature, grounding—those mm-hmm. are my non-negotiables—and and staying. Very well hydrated. Yeah. Water um, is everything. And movement. I try to work out. I wasn't doing that for 10 years. I hadn't worked out. So I have so much to do, Maria. I mean, honestly, you just put like a whole other like day on my my schedule. And here's the thing I thought of yesterday that I thought would be really cool for people. If you can make a list of all these things and Mm. then every day just say, well, can I do one of these? Mm. That's a good idea. Just start implementing one thing. Yeah. Take a cold shower. It's so good for the vagus nerve. The vagus nerve connects your brain to your gut. If you're having gut issues, take a cold shower. I start hot and then I get brave and then I go, there you go. There you go. That's what I'm being there doing. (laughs) And then you're fine. Yeah. You'll Yeah. You'll be okay. You will survive. And if you have a health issue... There's your motivation. That's right. For me, that's my motivation. I don't want to get in cold water. That's right. But I know I have to, to stay healthy and to be healthy.
0: What I think I love the most about it is that Heel Squad can be your accountability mm-hmm. partner. It's all about having like-minded people around you. You mm-hmm. are the company you keep, right? Yes. So if you can allow a podcast like Heal Squad, yours, to help you have that kind of uh, framework mm-hmm. and information and knowledge around you on a daily, weekly basis, yeah. then now you're not only giving yourself the tools, but now you're creating the mindset that can help you be well. Yeah, you got to
1: build those That's muscles. Right. That's right. And and repetition is the way you have have to just keep being immersed. It's like, if you go to Spain and you're immersed in the language, you're going to learn it. That's right. If you want to get healthy, you got to immerse yourself in healthy techniques and health, you know, and, and these health journeys. So that's why I have all these experts coming in to teach us these new thoughts, these new ways, things that we wouldn't have known. I it's I right. would never have known that being in the sun. I stayed out of the sun for... My husband told me, all of us, stay out of the sun. I was like 21 years old, 22, stay out of the sun. I did. I did. And I kept really good skin, and I didn't get a lot of wrinkles, yes. Now I'm Miss Queen Bake. I'm like, give me the sun. I realized what I did
0: stacked up a lot of health issues. Well, what do they say? They say it takes 21 days to create a habit. Mm -hmm. Create the habit. Yeah. Create the habit. Thank you, Maria. Thank you. Thank you. I love this. Thank you. You're so
1: good at this. Ah, Look, I'll take it, girl. I'll take it, girl.
0: No, I can't wait. And I would like to come on Heel Squad and talk about something wellness related. Yes, okay. I would
1: love that. <laughs> and and everything that you talk about here, we need to know. I love it. No. So, thank you. I appreciate you. I thank truly you. do. <laughs>
0: All right, Cool Mom crew, I'm Lizzie Mathis, and you've been listening to this week's episode of the Cool Mom Code Podcast with the incredible Maria Menunos. She has the most inspiring story, and I'm so glad we could share it with you all today. Stay tuned for more episodes and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen.
1: Seeking the truth never gets old.